Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. This week's message by Ryan Baker Barnes is called From Breakdown to Breakthrough. We want to invite you to our secret place gathering with special guest speakers Chuck Pierce and Sam Wojtek from the 23rd to the 25th of January 2020. Visit our website for more details and to book your place today. Why don't you get ready with me? We're going to start. Um, I want to look at Matthew verse 20, chapter 26. If you want to get yourselves ready there, we're going to do some reading. I'm going to introduce where we're going. So while you guys are getting ready there, um, I just want to say as well, the volunteer this, after, this afternoon after we've preached, after we've prayed, after you've grabbed yourself a coffee, if you aren't in a team either and you want to get involved in serving on a team, at church, it's really fun. You, you get to know people, you get to serve people. And what, is the, what does the Bible say? It's more blessed to give than to receive. And in the process of that, you will come alive. If you want to join a team, all you have to do is grab yourself a coffee and see us through those side doors in the Transformation Center where we're going to start. So we've been looking at breakthrough. Um, any of you guys remember with what Trevor's been sharing on the three positions that we can find ourselves in in life? I, I can see nodding heads. That's fantastic. What we can also, uh, what, in all of our lives, there's three positions that we can find ourselves in relationship to God. The first one is that we're close to God. We have made a commitment to God. He is uh, a close friend. That is the place where discipleship happens. That is the place where, as a church, we want to see everyone in that position. That is my personal desire when, as Anna said, when I wake up in the morning or when I go to bed at night, God is the first thought on my mind. He is what I'm thinking about. He is what I know I was created for and who made me. He's the purpose of my life. I want to have a close relationship with God. But what can happen, there's a second position that we can easily come come into. And that's a position of compromise. That's a position where we can start to see our relationship with God as an acquaintance. That's a position where we can begin to, to even to remember or have experiences with God as second hand. So they're the kind of things that, um, might, like for example, I'm, I'm married, of course, you know that. We've got three beautiful children and Bethany, she's 12, she's gone across into there. She comes to church and she can then talk to us after Sunday morning about all that happens in church. Do you guys ever do that? You might not be a child, maybe you're talking to your friend or your spouse and you, you get home on a Sunday lunch and you sit down and you think, wow, wasn't that a great time at church? Did you see what happened? Did you, did you feel that? What happened when Catherine started to sing that song that there wasn't any words for? It was a spontaneous song about we have got the breakthrough inside of us. We were made to be overcomers. Did you feel that moment? Yeah. And the person on the other side of the table or you right now can, church can say, yeah, I felt it too. You know what? We were made to have firsthand experience of God. But sometimes with maybe with my children, they didn't feel it. And they, they asked questions. They could say, what was going on then? And that's an incredible incredible opportunity because that is a time where we can say and explain and give a body and weight and form to what, what, what God was doing and actually call them into it, their own experience with God. Does that make sense? So we can often live in the second place where God becomes an acquaintance. We can have secondhand experiences. We can be get compromised or we can get um, complacent. And then there's the third position or the third chair, and that is where we have an awareness of God. Many, many people in in England um, will know what a church looks like. 
They'll have an awareness of what God is about. We're coming up to a time of the year, Christmas, where people will normally want to come to church. Praise God for that. Let's make the most of it. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Praise God that the people have got an awareness. But we want to bring a breakthrough in their lives that brings them into a relationship with Jesus. So Trevor, that's just a quick um, recap of these three positions. And what happens when we move from one position into another? That's a time of breakthrough. And I want to just look at a story in Matthew 26. It's the story where um, Peter the disciple, he was the head disciple, you could say. He was the person who Jesus said to him, on you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. He was a leader, even amongst the twelve. He was a person of great uh, prestige. He had great honor. He was an incredible disciple. But I've got good news for you. Even good people can struggle. You could all take a deep good breath of that one. Amen. <laughs> no matter what part of our lives we're going through, the, is, the enemy wants to bring us into a place of compromise. No matter how well we're doing, the enemy wants to bring us into a place where we can feel like we're going through a breakdown. And I'm not just talking about Lying on the floor crying. I'm talking about the things in our lives where things, the times in our lives when the wheels fall off. The times in our lives where things go wrong. The times in our lives when we feel like we're going through a breakdown. I want you to know God wants to take you from breakdown to breakthrough. Okay, let's read. We're going to read Proverbs, Psalms, Proverbs, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. We'll get there. Matthew. Matthew 26, verse 69. Let's read this together. Now, Peter, now let's just read, let's just quickly pop verse 58 actually in there. The story goes that Jesus has been uh, betrayed by Judas with, with a kiss. It's after the, uh, the Passover, the famous, this is my cup, drink of my cup. And now he is appearing before the priests and before the Romans to get sentenced to death. It's an incredible time in, in Jesus' journey of salvation in his life. And as he's being led out of the garden, verse 58, it says, But Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and entered in and sat down with the officers to see the outcome. Now jump with me to verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you're talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said, To those who were there, this man was with Jesus, the Nazarene. And again, Peter, he denied it with an oath, saying, I do not know the man. A little later, the bystanders came in and said to Peter, surely you too were one of them. For even the way you talk gives you away. Then he began to curse and to swear with an oath. I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the words that Jesus had said before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. At the point of the greatest breakthrough in Jesus' life, in fact, at the point and the greatest breakthrough in the history of the world, because Jesus didn't just come to save Israel or you and me, he came to be the salvation of the whole world. At the time of greatest breakthrough, Peter our shining star, the, our, our big inspiration, the guy who all the hopes of Christian dim was pinned on, had his greatest breakdown. 
Isn't that interesting? You know, what happens in our lives? Just think about yourself. It's often at the point where things are going the best, where we feel blessed, where things are going really, really well, that we can become to get complacent. And it's at the times of the, some of the best times in our lives that all of a sudden, because we never expect it, we can find ourselves really struggling with hard things. We can find ourselves going through times of compromise, times of breakthrough. Let me tell you that it, times of breakthrough lead to breakdown. I'm going to just pick up the story now in John chapter 21. You can read with me from verse 3, but you can do a bit of Bible reading. The incredible thing about this story of Peter and his denials is that it occurs in all four Gospels. So it's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and in John. Now, Jesus did a lot of things where he was alive, and those four accounts capture a lot of it. But this account of Peter was in all four Gospels. It's very interesting, isn't it? Because they wanted to make sure that we all know that this is something that we go through. So at the end of this, Peter, he had a time of compromise. He was facing a breakdown. What happens when we're facing breakdowns? 21, John 21 verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, this is the same Peter. Guys, I'm going fishing. Where's my fisherman friend Mike? Mike, we need to go fishing. (laughs) Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. So they, and they said to him, we will come with you also. They went out and they got in the boat and that night they caught nothing. Let me tell you, we know when we're in times of compromise, when we return to old patterns in our lives. Let me know you're in a time, you know you can identify, you can diagnose times of, where you can lead up to breakdown in your lives when you fall back into old patterns in your lives. When Peter first met Jesus, he was a fisherman. Jesus met him, told him to cast his net over the other side of the boat, brought in such an incredible catch that it provided the finance for Peter to follow Jesus for the rest of his life. It was the very thing that opened up the next chapter in Peter's life. It was the breakthrough in Peter's life. And what happens after times of compromise? Peter says, guys, I'm hanging my apron up. I'm putting my traveling shoes away. I'm going back to fishing. I am in a place of despondency. I am in a place of disappointment. I am in a place where I have failed. I don't know what's happening next. And I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm going back to an old pattern. I'm going to go back fishing. But how did that work out for him? (laughs) It was very unproductive. He fished all night and he caught nothing. I mean, it goes from bad to worse sometimes, doesn't it? When we we find ourselves in places of breakdown, we think, well, I'm just going to go do what I used to do. And guess what? Even that doesn't work. We can, live, we can find ourselves being unproductive. We can find ourselves lacking breakthrough. We can find ourselves being unmotivated, being bitter, having disappointment and disillusionment. But guess what? Jesus can take you from breakdown to breakthrough. And we're going to pick the story up a bit later in verse 9. If you want to read ahead, if you want a, a little bit of a trailer, you go ahead and read. But it's good. We're going to end with some real good things. I want you to know that even though some of this might feel a little bit heavy. Don't feel heavy. We're going to get to a very important point on that. It's not about that. It's about God giving us keys today to bring us into breakthrough. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Okay, so there are three positions in this. Uh, when Peter is uh, following Jesus, there's three positions that the, the enemy will want to use in our lives to bring us into compromise. And here's the first one. When we are far away from God. Peter followed Jesus where? Right at his heels. Peter followed Jesus right at his side as he was being led 
the Bible says that Peter followed Jesus at a distance. Now, I can't preach without getting an African story, and you guys know that about me by now. When you watch wildlife programs, or if you had the blessing to go on safari and see a hunt, the lions, um, wild dogs, hyenas, all these predatory animals, do you know how they hunt? They chase the herd until one person, one herd, one person, (laughs) this is what the enemy might be trying to do to you guys right now. They chase the herd until one of the animals gets tired and falls at a distance from the pack. And as soon as they can separate the pack, one out from the herd, that one becomes the target. And because of its distance from the pack, it becomes easy prey, and they can pick it off. When we follow at a distance to the very person we need to be so close at, let me tell you, we are positioning ourselves in a place where the enemy wants to bring us into compromise. Does that make sense? I'm not saying that you want to put yourself into compromise. There is no part in Peter that he thought, oh, Jesus is going to get killed here right now. And he knew all this was happening because Jesus had said it about him. He had prophesied about himself. He had said this was the great plan. There is no part in Peter's life that said, I'm going to compromise Jesus today. It's the same with us. None of us go through any part of our lives thinking, today I'm going to walk a bit distant from God. Because if we knew that, we would say, oh, what am I doing about it? Amen? We would say, what am I going to do about that? But... It's something that happens. We need to learn how to diagnose that when we are in a place of isolation in our relationship with Jesus, it leads us to be vulnerable. As a church, gathering with you, you guys, we we use these words, Anna said, this is the house of God, we're a family. This is what it is. Our prayer for you is that you would come so close in your relationship with God that there would be no distance for the enemy to try and pick off you to try and lead you into any compromise to try and lead you into any dis, uh, disappointment or destruction and that's what we can do no one expects to withdraw from god but here's what happens these are little diagnosis points that you can use to 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 realize that maybe this is what's happening in your life we can get too familiar we can start to take things for granted we can get really really complacent this is what I, I'll be totally honest with you guys. This is, this is something, um, Anna, Anna's doing a fantastic counseling course. Uh, and there's, there's a word that, that they say in the counseling course before they talk about something that's really close to them. I think it's so that they, no one sort of train wrecks them or, or injures them. And it's, uh, Anna says, the teacher says this, okay guys, I'm going to be open and honest to you right now. So let me use the same word. Here's, here's what happens. I'm going to be open and honest with you. When we can get so familiar and so complacent, and it's especially after the highlights in our lives, the high times in our lives that the enemy wants to come in. Because what happens is after we have an incredible time, for example, we can go through a conference. Don't you love conferences? Don't you love conferences? I love conferences. I love being able to spend time in the presence of God. But afterwards, you can get really, really tired. (laughs) Afterwards, I can put Oh yeah, yeah. Afterwards, I just need I need a good rest. But what happens is that I love waking up in the morning, and I have a, a fantastic Bible app on my phone, and it reads me. It takes me through three or four chapters a day. And did you know if you were to read three or four chapters of the Bible a day, you can read the entire Bible in one year? That's incredible, isn't it? And I've done that for a while now, for a number of years. And God's just putting the, His Word, His foundation in my life. But what can happen when I'm really tired? I can wake up on a, on a Monday. I've had a great time in God's presence. I can think, Jesus, thank you that you filled me up. Do you know what? 
Yesterday's portion of your presence was so good. I'm just going to skip my Bible reading today because, you know, I was pretty good for you, Jesus, over the weekend. <laughs> I did pray for, you know, 50, 60 people, Jesus. And um, I led about, I don't know, seven or eight hours of worship. I mean, that's got to count for something, doesn't it? Yes, it does. But we can wake up and be like complacent and think, ah, oh, I'm not going to read my Bible. The next day, you wake up and all of a sudden, the children need help brushing their teeth. I don't know what happens to toothbrushes. I mean, there's the bathroom where they should live. There's the little cup they should live in. Lissy's like, Daddy, I've lost my toothbrush. Who knows where the thing is? I mean, I go and they're looking for it. And the cup where the toothbrushes should live in is not even there. I'm like, what happened to the cup? I don't know. <laughs> the children never know. Anyway. These things happen in the morning. Or maybe it happens to you as adults. I can see some smiles there. These things happen in the mornings. And then it's, we've got to make breakfast. And it's got to pack lunch. And then we're running late. And I'll read my Bible tomorrow. Then Wednesday, it's the same thing. Maybe my alarm didn't go off. <laughs> I have to say, I have one of the best wives. Uh, the best wife. Uh, I almost did in the world. I would never know that because I only ever had one wife. But... Um, <laughs> My wife is so good to me. Every morning at around 7.15, she brings me a cup of coffee. Isn't that incredible? Let's praise the Lord for that. I mean, <laughs> it's the best alarm call. I mean, she's friendly. She's warm. She's carrying a cup of coffee. I mean, it's the best thing ever. What I'm trying to say is that it's very easy because of the high points and we can get so familiar with something to let something, to let devotion slide. Right? Those are the times. It's not then that all of a sudden some bad stuff happens in my life, but what happens is it's very easy for my thoughts to not be focused on what God's plan was for me for that day. I'm not talking about falling into massive sin here, friends, right? I'm just talking about staying close. The enemy is like a pack of wills and he's hounding at you. He wants to get you separated from Jesus. We're going to stay close. We can, be, we can get complacent. We, we can get disappointed or we can get wounded. Oh, my word. You know what? I, we, this is church and we are family. But I've got news for you. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, I don't know. But in families, we can sometimes, people get hurt. We don't mean to hurt people, but sometimes things happen. People can, can get offended. People can take wounds. If we're not careful with the wounds in our heart, what will happen is that you come and you enjoy sitting in church. You get to know someone and you're sitting there and then something happens. It could, be, it could be that maybe they didn't acknowledge you when you walked in that morning. For whatever reason. And we can think, oh, what's wrong with me? And then next week we sit over there. And then next week we sit over there. And by week four, we're not even in the place. Now, I'm not, you guys are in the, in the church, so I'm not preaching this to you. Don't, don't get too heavy, right? Okay? <sighs> yeah? Come on. Let me, let me see some smiles. But you know what I'm saying, don't we? The same thing works out when we are in times of wounding, when we get disappointed. We can very easily withdraw ourselves. That is not the reaction that God wants us to do. God wants us to come right back in. Do not let disappointments lead to breakdown. In fact, disappointments is an opportunity for you to throw yourself at Jesus again. And say, God, what, what do you want me to do? And he will lead you into breakthrough. That's what he will do. And, and just, just people here, I know that there's people struggling with jobs. I want to say, well done for not giving up. 
well done for coming to church today. Well done for responding. You know, we after we pray for people at the front, we fill in connecting cards. And on a Wednesday, as a leadership team, we pray for you, church. We try and text you or call, we call you. We tell you that we're praying for you and we are praying for you. And I have seen faithful members of the church come week after week and pray for God to bring a breakthrough in jobs, for example. And that breakthrough hasn't come yet. But that, does that mean that you stop praying and seeking God? No, and you haven't. And I just give them a hand. Just give, this, is, this is the kind of faithfulness that God can do to bring about your breakthrough. Don't let disappointments or woundingness Bring about a distance. Um, remember Samuel, Trevor Speech, a couple, spoke a couple of weeks ago about Samuel. He positioned himself where? At the ark of the presence of God. That's where we position ourselves. Now I want to bring you another angle of this, 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 this distance. Not only was Peter following at a distance to God, if you look at what it says, that they were in the courtyards of the high priest. Now do you want to learn a little bit of Bible history? Okay, good. Because this kind of stuff is really, really helpful. You know, the Bible was written thousands of years ago. And the author wrote the book for an audience that understood the culture. Now, if we want to get the truth out of this Bible, we need God to, to not just to give us a translation, but to interpret. And we need to understand the culture and the, con- the context, as a great word, of what it was written in. Now, the, the, the high priest, the courtyard of the high priest... His name was Caiaphas, and he was part of the Sanhedrin. What they were, they were a council of 70 people who would meet to decide very, very certain issues. So they were basically like uh, judges, like rulers, like counselors. Uh, they were like princes, and I, we have a prince in here this morning as well. Let's give him a hand. It's really good to have you. The prince from uh, Walter's brother is fantastic to have him. He's an actual prince, friends. Isn't that cool? I think you guys are starstruck, right? I mean, yeah, it's fantastic. But what happened is that was, that was started by Moses way back when in Exodus when he was leading the people out of, of um, Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage. And God told him through his father-in-law that the weight of leading this people by himself would break him, bring him to breakdown. So you need to put people around you and he chose 70 leaders. And that same pattern has continued all the way through. But in Jesus' day, there was... a uh, a nation who had invaded called the Romans. And in order for the, the synagogue, for the temple to still have power, they had compromised their position. Caiaphas, the high, high priest, had compromised his position and had sold out to the Romans in order to keep his place as the leader of, of these 70. And what's happening here is that Peter is not just standing at a distance from Jesus. He's standing at the outer court where the people are meeting on the inside. And here's what I want, the point I want to make. Don't let religion compromise you. Don't settle for second-hand experience when God wants to call you into first-hand encounter. Does that make sense? And in everything that I'm saying, even about following close to Jesus, this is what happens. You can hear what I'm saying from a religious point of view. And you can think, oh, Ryan's saying that I've got to every single morning read my Bible. And you have a little tick sheet and you read your Bible. And when you don't read it that day, you feel disappointed. What happens? Guilt and shame comes upon you and you separate yourself from Jesus. That's not relationship with Jesus. That's religion. Peter was positioned in this story in a religious 
position in the outer courts. Just, just think about the beautiful imagery and the symmetry of the word of God. Here is the high priest Caiaphas passing a judgment on Jesus. And Jesus is thinking, oh man, you don't know what's about to happen. You see, Caiaphas could only enter into this inner room in the temple to have a meeting with God Almighty once a year. Can you imagine only being allowed to come into church once a year? Some people do that because it's Christmas and they're coming this year, but God's got an encounter for them. Can you imagine only being able to have a relationship with the person that you love once a year? I mean, that's really hard, isn't it? That's really bad. But that's what Caiaphas was. That was the pattern of that religious structure. And here is Jesus under trial, the one who's saying, guys, my body is the temple. You're going to wait and see because I'm going to tear the veil. And after this moment, every single one of you, every single day can come into the most holy of holies. Because it's no longer about an earthly structure, but it's about a living relationship with Jesus. It's no longer about an earthly pattern of worship. It's about a spiritual pattern where we come in and we meet the lover of our souls. This is the incredible thing that's happening. God says, if you don't compromise ever. For religion. This is a relationship with Jesus. This is the place where we can have a first hand encounter. Rather than a second hand experience. Praise God for that. We can come into that the holy of holies. To have a relationship with God. Um, I, I met, I met a, a wonderful person this week. She was doing a study on Christianity. She's doing RE lessons. And she did a study on the church. And she knew so much about the church. She'd never even come here today, uh, before today. And it was wonderful. She was talking about our app and our website and watching the live streams. And I said to her, wow, you know so much about this church. This is fantastic. Wouldn't it be amazing if every seeker was that passionate about knowing more about God, hey? But she asked a very interesting question. She said, looking at your stream, you get a lot of people, the same people coming back every week. How, how does that happen? And I said this, nobody, well... <laughs> I think I've done this too. How many times would we go to the gym, do five minutes on a bench press, the next morning wake up, look in the mirror and think, well, that didn't work. I'm not going again. (laughs) I've done that. I had a session with a guy in church and he absolutely killed me. I put on a really brave face the whole, the whole time at the gym. I was like, you know, this is good. This is good. I crawled into the car, got home, and I was passed out on the lounge floor. And Anna was like, what's wrong with you? I said, I went to the gym. She said, you are not doing that again. So that's my excuse. But nobody goes to a gym and after one session expects to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. If you do, there's a problem, isn't there? But what do we do by daily exercise, by daily discipline? You go every couple of days. You set yourself a goal. I'm going to do this for three months. And hopefully at the end of three months, there's going to be a change. And there is because our bodies respond to the daily discipline. It's the same with the church. The reason we keep coming to church is that we have met with God here. And this is the place that God changes our lives. And we can't just come once and then not again in six months and think, oh, well, that didn't work. We're on a journey with God. He is leading us through this. And let me tell you, friends, at the end of this breakthrough, I believe you're going to look in your spiritual mirror and you're going to be like, hello, six pack. (laughs) Amen. That's what God wants to do. Okay. 
So it's a daily thing. So here, breakthrough comes through daily conversation with Jesus. It's not about religion. When we answer God's daily call to relationship, to intimacy, we daily position ourselves with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Here's a great scripture for this. Proverbs 8, verse 34. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorstep. He who does this will find life. Amen. Isn't that a great scripture? Blessed is the one who watches daily, watching at my doorsteps, listening for my word. That's what we want to do. And that's when breakthrough comes. Okay, the second position, I've got to, I've got to get moving on this. Like I said, this story of, of Peter, it's in all four Gospels. And in other accounts, what happens now? Peter is standing at a distance and then it says that he goes and he warms himself by the fire. Let me tell you that it can be a dangerous place. The enemy can pick us out and bring us into compromise when we start to find comfort in other sources other than God. Mike Bickle is a great preacher. He has this fantastic saying. He says that... um, the enemy will want to bring us into places of inferior pleasure. But God wants us to know the superior pleasures of loving God. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's getting really, really cold right now. And we're, we're lighting fires. How many of you guys enjoy a good log fire? And as I said, I'm African. I don't know what it is, but I seem to get judged as an African on my manhood by my ability to make a good fire. So... I, there's some Barbies in this place. I know if you cannot make a good fire to cook some nyama, then you're not really a man. So I've... Um, <laughs> and the problem is that Trevor's been to Africa enough times to know this. So when, when we're lighting fires, maybe in the hearth and it's cold, or maybe we're cooking a barbecue and he gets me to light the fire, the pressure is on. I am feeling it. I'm like, I know I better get this fire right, you know. But what happens when you light a fire in a coal or a log might fall off the fire and lay at a distance from the fire. The rest of the fire will burn bright and hot and will continue to burn, but that coal that's left the fire will stop burning and it will stay whole and hard and cold. What happens we can get in a dangerous place and the enemy wants to come and lead us to compromise when we aren't warming ourselves at God's fire. God's called us with certain desires. God called us with certain passions. But compromise can make the fire of passion start to grow cold in our lives. When we feel that, let that be a diagnosis that you say, no, I'm running to the fire of the Holy Spirit. I'm running to warm myself daily with the fire of God. Here's another one. Psalm 16, verse 11. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. The the superior pleasure of loving God is something that He wants to light in our hearts. It's a passion that He wants to light in our hearts. Where we don't go and warm ourselves at other fires. The third position. If you follow one after Peter was at a distance, he warmed himself at the fires. Then this is the third position, verse 71. When he had gone out to the gateway. Let me tell you, the gateway of our lives are an incredibly important position. Did you know that... um, Naturally, we have a number of gates, gateways in our lives. We have our eye gate, we have our nose gate, our mouth gate, our ear gate, and our, our, our touch gate, our skin. These are gateways, these are doorways, these are openings into our lives because of the five senses. Okay, so with the eyes we see, right? 
With our ears we hear, with our mouths we taste, with our nose we smell, we discern, with our skin we touch. These are natural senses, but did you know that they also correspond to a spiritual sense? And the enemy would want to seek compromise when we open the gateway of our lives to influences and sources other than to Jesus. I've said this many times before, you know, as a, as a man in, in this country and actually now in every country, you've got to be so careful with the, your eye gate, don't you? You go into a petrol station and you want to get some petrol and you have to like walk in a certain way so that you don't see magazines. We, I've mentioned my daughter Bethany, you know, we're, we're bringing up children now in a place where on their mobile phones, every child's got a mobile phone just about. You've got to be really aware of what they can have access to. But... But what about, um, I've been reading in the book of James, and I've been in a really good way convicted. Remember, it's not about condemnation, it's not about religion, it's about the Holy Spirit bringing us to a place of conviction. And do you know what the difference is between conviction and, and uh, con- condemnation? Conviction with the Holy Spirit gives you the power to change. Condemnation from the enemy makes you feel terrible. He wants to leave you in guilt and in shame. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you, be Be happy. Because he's giving you the power to change. But I was reading in James and James is talking about um, the power of the tongue. And he says the tongue is the small implement like the rudder on a boat. But man it can lead a whole boat certain places. The tongue is like a match. A single match left astray can cause an entire forest to burn down. And the same is with the tongue. It's the, one of the smallest parts of our body. But with the tongue, we can speak so much evil. With the tongue, we can praise God on a Sunday and sing words of goodness. Or we can go away in the weekend and someone can cut us up in the road and we can say, what an idiot. Conviction, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm, and we're not even talking about, like, sure, you might be swearing or you might be using your, your tongue to say perverse things or whatever, but it's not about... Your sin is worse than my sin. It's about not bringing your place, your, yourself into a place of compromise. It's as simple as that. The gateways of our lives are so important. The things that we feel. You know, we, we can do certain things because it makes us feel good. But God has got a superior pleasure for you. Don't let the enemy compromise you through the gates of your life. But I've got good news and we're going to get to in a minute. Even if that's happened, Jesus can bring breakthrough. Jesus has got breakthrough. Don't let um, the things that you listen to begin to bring you into a place of compromise. Don't lose your sense of discernment. Because God wants to keep you with him in a place of uh, friendship with him. In a place of union with him. Because here's the thing. Compromise prohibits breakthrough. It's as simple as that. We can live in old, uh, old patterns. You know, Peter, Peter was enslaved in this story. By what? What was, the, what was the thing that he did wrong? It wasn't that he was just at a distance. That was, the, that was the place that led him to compromise. He was compromised by what he said. It was the, the words that came out of his mouth. When we don't guard the gateways, we can be led to compromise. Where the enemy can want to take us out. He wants to separate you from the pack. But God wants you to to submit all your senses to Him. And here, breakthrough comes through daily surrender to Jesus. Do you want another proverb? Proverbs 4, verse 23. I love this. It says, My child, above all else, guard your heart with all diligence. For from it 
flow the streams of life. My children, my friends, above all else. Now that's impressive, isn't it? Above all else, your number one priority, guard your heart. And these senses, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your nose, your, your skin. It's not just that it's, oh, it's a physical sense, but they let things into your heart. And we want to surrender to God a whole heart. A heart where he can um, move. And above all else, with all diligence, guide your heart. Because from it flow the springs of life. So those are the three positions. And then there's three ways that the enemy wants to bring you in, uh, to try and stop you getting breakthrough. And I'm going to go through this really quickly. The first one, he wants to hold you to your history. Okay, so Peter was in three places. Then what happens? Well, there were three questions. And here's the first one that happened. The Bible says that a slave girl came and asked him. You know what? And what did the slave girl ask him? She said, you were with Jesus. The enemy wants to try and keep you in your history. Keep you in a place of bondage. The slave girl did this. Because if he can keep you to who you were, you won't get the breakthrough into who God's calling you to be. Does that make sense? I'm trying to use lots of examples because I want to be open and honest. Thank you. You're with me. I want to be open and honest, but... I mean, it's really hit home with Anna and myself. We um, have been married for 15 and a half years. She said it first, so I know I got it right. (laughs) We've been married a long time. And let me tell you, over 15 years, we change. You go through changes. Life changes. We, We had no children. Then we had children and all of a sudden we were having to we awake at all different kinds of times in the night and learn how to change nappies and and then we had to send children to school and then we had to have a, a child in high school and, and not only that Anna used to be a school teacher then she was a mom and now she works at church with me and we've got to manage our work life and our family life and our relationship life and Everything goes through times of change. Now, let me tell you, I would not get a breakthrough in the next season of our life if I was holding Anna or holding myself to how we were in the past. If I was holding Anna, who was at one point uh, a mom, if I was holding her to her history as God's calling her also into a ministry and I was holding her to her history, she wouldn't have breakthrough. What's more than that, if I was holding her to the history, it would affect me because I'm holding myself to who I used to be five years ago, not walking the journey of who God's making me to be. Remember, breakthrough is a daily devotion to Jesus. Breakthrough is a daily surrender to Jesus. God is daily changing me, and that's when breakthrough comes. But if I am not letting my history define me, I'm, not, I'm going to come into a place of breakthrough. Does that make sense? The enemy wants to hold you to your old identity. He wants to hold you to your history through accusation, through comparison, through condemnation, through conviction. But we are going into a different dynamic. And you won't get breakthrough if you let your past define your future. You won't get breakthrough if you let your past define your future. Some of the things we're crying out for breakthrough in and we have an expectation of what we think it's going to look like. But God, I've always worked for that company. Yeah, but he's got something new for you. But God, I've, I've always had that friend. Yeah, but he's got something new for you. Don't let your history define your breakthrough. The next thing that happens, the slave girl then says something very interesting. She says to him, you were with Jesus because you sound like a Galilean. Now, Galilee was a 
was a town in Israel, and was, sorry, was a region in Israel, and in the town was Nazareth. The next question she asks him is, you were with Jesus because you sound like a Nazarite. Like he is getting, she is getting closer and closer and closer in on his accent. What is she doing? She's defining him by his culture. We live in a place called the West Midlands. And the longer I live here, the more I can tell the difference between an accent from Birmingham, an accent from Gornal, an accent from Dudley. And the more and more my children sound like Dudley as well. And this is the place God's called me to be with all of our cultural joys. My, my mom, she lives in New Zealand. She absolutely loves coming to Dudley. She'll go and she'll walk down the high street just to listen to the market people selling things. And she'll come to me and says, Ryan, what does tarabit mean? I say, Ryan, what's a buzz? You know, she asks me all these questions. She absolutely loves it. She loves the culture. But let me tell you this. We will not step into breakthrough if we try and define our lives by the culture of the world around us. We were not called to be defined by the culture around us. We were not called to function and live in the same pre-constructed ideas as the culture around us. Let me tell you something really straight though. I love culture. I'm not saying that you need to wake up in the morning, let your beard grow and wear sandals and socks and get a gown and start eating locusts and honey, right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about that kind of culture. As you can see, I've already been complimented a number of times on my new shirt today. Thank you. <laughs> this, 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 this is important. I'm not asking you to look like weirdos, right? You can't change something that you don't love. We're called to be culture changers. We have to love the culture, We have to love the black country. We have to love Dudley. We have to love our market people and the way that they talk and the way that they think. And I do. I'm not talking about that kind of culture. But you know what? We were made for such a time as this. God could have positioned us in any culture in the world, in any time frame in the world. But we're here, you and I. No coincidence to make a difference in this culture. So hear me right what I'm saying. But what can happen is that there are ways that we can think when it comes to making our decisions and those decisions are based on culture and those decisions won't lead you into breakthrough because they're not based on the word of God. Did you get that? Let me give you an example. There's so many, you know, here's what culture is. Culture, um, we receive it, we inherit it from our family, we inherit it from our geography, we inherit it from our history, we inherit it from our social codes and orders from society, we inherit it from our language. All these things carry culture and they change the way that we think. And what we need to do is we need to understand why do I think like this and where does it come from? So just quickly, because I'm running out of time, a couple of cultural Preconceived ideas that will stop you getting breakthrough. Number one, breakthrough is an overnight success. How many times do we look at maybe our favorite football team and there's this young guy all of a sudden he scores a goal and he's an overnight success? Or movie actors, we, we never, we never, or even singers, like all of a sudden it's going to be Christmas. Christmas number one is a big thing. Christmas number one single song is a big thing, isn't it? And there's going to be a new artist who we hear on the radio and everyone's like, oh my goodness, where is she from? She's an overnight success. That's because we don't see behind the scenes every single day of turning up and singing or turning up on a football pitch and, and 
practicing that move. We don't see the day after day after day where it's little bit by little bit by little bit by little bit until one day everyone sees. And that's what we call a breakthrough. But we have this idea that to be a breakthrough, it needs to be an overnight success. You can just drop kick that one into the distance because that's not true. Breakthrough comes through a daily relationship with God. Breakthrough comes by daily waiting at His gates, listening to hear His voice. Breakthrough comes by daily staying close to the lover of our souls. Here's another one that we have. We have this thing called destination addiction. That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Counselors, psychiatrists, they've actually put this phrase together. They've realized that our culture suffers with this thing called destination addiction. Let me tell you what it is. We're so focused on the place that we want to go that we forget to enjoy life right here and now. And when good stuff happens right here and now, it doesn't match up to our expectation of where we need to be, and we we miss it. There's another part. We can have this false view of success. Success isn't fame. Success isn't just having loads of money in your bank account. Success is looking next to the person you've brought to church right now. Your, Your husband, your friend, your child. And knowing that you've got a meaningful relationship with them. Success is knowing that God's called you to a plan and He's working your purposes out day by day, step by step. You know, let's let ourselves off this hook of destination addiction, of uh, overnight success, of thinking that God, if you're going to break through, it's got to look like this. And God does stuff in our lives. And we think, oh, that's good, but it's just not quite big enough just yet. God, give me more. Do you know what I'm saying? This is a cultural mindset. That we're called to live out of. That we're not called to live out of. Sorry, but we need to break it. Break it down. Uh, what about finance? Darren gave a great message today even about finance. And, and we live underneath this world's idea of finance. I want to encourage you. Go to the Bible. Find out what God's opinion is on finance. Find out what God's opinion is on family. This is something, like I said, I'm going to be open and honest. <laughs> In our lives, Bethany, she's, she's a teenager, and we're having to navigate things that she comes home from school with, things about relationships, things about mobile phones, things about ideas that my friends do this, what are you going to do with me? And we have to weigh in with the Holy Spirit on our daily decisions. We don't have to weigh in on what the world culture says. If you're weighing in on your, for your decisions on Facebook, or what your friends did, or well, I'm, that's okay because three of my colleagues in work did it. Guys, you're not going to get the breakthrough. You have to weigh in on what God's plan for your life is. Let the first point of your decision making come right back to that relationship that you have with Jesus. Can I have an amen for that? And the third one, the third um, type of person that questioned Peter, it says, A little later, the bystanders came to him. A bystander is someone who stands on the outside and watches, has no vested interest in being active in the outcome, but still wants to give you an opinion and a criticism. I'm not going to have time, but there's a great big study on bystanders on relationships and opinions. As we move in this uh, breakthrough, just make sure that you're managing whose opinion you're listening to. I want you to make sure that you are honoring God's opinion in your life, the Holy Spirit's word in your life, the Holy Spirit's leading in your life, and He will lead you to breakthrough. Now, I said that breakthrough is coming, and I've got good news. All those things that the enemy wants to try and do, here's what Jesus does. It told me, uh, John 21, let's read from verse 9. 
Actually, let's read from verse 4. This is the breakthrough. And when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? Jesus knows everything, but he still wants to ask the questions, doesn't he? And they answered, no. He said, okay, cast the net on your right-hand side of your boat and you will catch fish. And they cast it and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Let's jump down verse 9. When they had got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and the fish placed on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land, a large a haul of fish, 153. Someone took time to count every one of these fish. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. God wants to bring you into productivity. So much so that you can actually have the capacity to handle it. That's breakthrough. And Jesus gave them breakfast. He said, come have breakfast. And then let's read down to verse 15. When they had finished eating breakfast, Jesus said, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, tend my sheep. Let me tell you about breakthrough. This is how it happens with breakthrough. Number one, Jesus initiates it. Peter was in his old cycle, but Jesus came right to where he was and Jesus initiates breakthrough. Jesus right now in your life is initiating a breakthrough. Don't let the culture, cultural expectations of what you think is going to look like make you lose it. Right now, Jesus is initiating a breakthrough in our lives. Amen. Jesus restores the time. The cockerel crowed after Peter had denied. What time of day does the cockerel crow? The morning. As the dawn is breaking, the sun's coming up and the cockerel is our alarm clock. Like I said, I've got a really good alarm clock in my house. But at the very time when Peter denied Jesus, at the breaking of day, Jesus comes. And he's looking to reaffirm, to reinstate, to reinstall Peter. Even the very time that you feel you're going through in breakdown, Jesus wants to bring you into breakthrough. Jesus, With Jesus, he will restore everything. There's nothing that you have lost, that maybe the enemy you feel has stolen from you, that Jesus will not return to you, that Jesus will not restore to you, because he loves you. He initiates it. Then what happens? So they're fishing. And what does Jesus tell Peter to do? Throw the net out on the other side of the boat. Remember the first time Jesus met Peter. What was Peter doing? He was fishing. Was he a very good fisherman? <laughs> I mean, there's a bunch of things we can, we can learn from the Bible. Is that maybe he wasn't in the right profession. Both times we see him, he doesn't catch anything, right? <laughs> so Peter's fishing the very first time Jesus meets him. And he says, throw your net out on the other side of the boat. Jesus does it again. What is he saying? He's reminding Peter of that first encounter. Let me tell you, Jesus isn't bringing you into religion this morning. Jesus is reminding you of an encounter that he has for your life. Jesus isn't bringing you into just a list of laws where you feel you can never reach it. Jesus is bringing you into a time where you can meet with him for yourself. Where you can have a relationship with the king of the whole earth, with the lover of your souls. And he wants to initiate for you first-hand encounters. That's what he's doing. 
Then Jesus kindles a new fire. Jesus light, lights the fire. Jesus was probably the best fire lighter in the history of the world. Take that every single fire lighting African there. That's my Jesus. He lights good fires. Amen. Jesus kindled a new fire. Where Peter was warming himself at another fire. He's actually just jumped in the, the sea and swam out. He is now warming himself at the fire of his love and passion for Jesus. On that fire, Jesus feeds them. He satisfies your desire. Every single one of your desires, your needs, God wants to satisfy them. He wants to feed you. He wants to bring you to the new fire. Then he cancels out every single one of Peter's statements. Every single time Peter said, I do not know Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. Three times. Three times Jesus says back, he gives Peter the opportunity to respond. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Now, remember the bystanders? The things that we have said, the enemy, our opponents, other people's opinions are going to be the thing that come and talk in your ear and say, but you said this, but you said this, but you said this. But Jesus comes to Peter directly. He says, don't worry about the things that you said, what other people might say about you. Here's the most important thing. Do you love me? And he asks him three times, and three times Peter says yes. And Peter then is reassigned to his breakthrough. He's reassigned to the, his purpose. He says, go feed my sheep. Go tend my lambs. Go look after people. And I know Trevor said this last week. With Jesus and breakthrough, it's not just to a project. It's to people. Jesus wants to assign you to a family, to a fold. He wants to assign you to people. He cancels out his denials. Every single area of compromise that you might feel the enemy has been tempting you with or throwing at you, God can cancel it out. Jesus has canceled it out. Any thoughts that you've said, any words that you've said, any actions that you've taken, Jesus can cancel it out and can open the way for you to move into breakthrough. Isn't that good? Why don't you stand up with me this morning? We're going to pray. You know, when um, Jesus reinstated Peter, he caught the biggest harvest of fish again. 153, the Bible tells us. God is bringing breakthrough into places of work into places of jobs into places of unproductivity where you have felt unproductive god is bringing about a change god is going to bring about a breakthrough in relationships friends this is the time already we see families coming back to jesus we see people giving their lives to jesus this is the time at this season where we have this amazing opportunity even with victorian christmas fair talk to your friends invite them to church talk to those people you've been praying for maybe distant relatives, grandparents. I'm, I'm even going over to visit some distant relatives of mine because I want to know that they have the opportunity to meet with Jesus. God is bringing around this breakthrough in families and we can really, really pray for this. And he's also going to bring about a fire and a passion in our lives. But the first thing, the first thing we have to do is we have to do this word called repent. What it means is it means that we just say that we're sorry. Those of you who know the Bible will know that Peter wasn't the only person who betrayed Jesus at that night. There was another guy called Judas who betrayed Jesus. But what was it about Peter that Peter's still alive and running and we have this amazing history and story of Peter? 
Whereas Judas, that was the end of the line for Judas. And here's what it is. Peter repented. Peter's heart was broken down. He, he broke down and he wept bitterly. He was so sorry. And that's all that repentance is. What, what it actually means, it's a 180 degree turn. We're in one point in our lives, we were running in this direction and we've realized, we've come to an understanding that there's another way. And we don't just say sorry and keep going in this direction. We say sorry and we turn to another direction. And that's the only thing that God requires of us for Him to bring about the change, for Him to bring about that forgiveness, is for us to repent. So just right now, while, while the worship team's playing, let's just say that prayer of repentance and I'll say it out and let's all say it together. Are you guys comfortable with that? Dear Jesus, we are sorry for places of compromise, for places where the enemy has tried to pick us out. We come back to you. We turn to you. Would you forgive us? Would you cleanse us? Every gateway, every word, every thought, cleanse me. Thank you. Amen. And what you've prayed, Jesus does that. He won't tomorrow think, well, tomorrow's another day. I'm not going to hold you against that. He, the Bible actually says that my mercies are new every morning. And whatever compromise you've been struggling with, God has separated from you through that prayer when we live in that repentance. And you know what? Just with all all the people here today, I don't want to go another bit further without giving this opportunity as well. That there's some of you, as I've been talking, and you said, Ryan, I can identify that I'm aware of God, but I haven't brought my life into relationship with God. I haven't given Him my life. I've heard about Jesus. I've heard stories of Jesus, but I don't really know what it is to be his disciple i don't know what it is to be his follower but the things that you're saying about this jesus i want to follow him or maybe you say ryan i've given my life to jesus in the past but i've just let compromise and complacency bring me at such a distance and i want to come right back close to jesus just while everyone's eyes are closed and their, their head is bowed if you were saying to jesus this morning that I want to come close to you. I want to say yes to you. I want to give my life to you. All I want you to do is just lift your hand right now. You're lifting your hand to Jesus. Thank you. I see that. You're lifting your hand to Jesus. That's it. I see that. Jesus sees that. Now let's just pray. Jesus. Jesus. I give you my life. I believe in your son. What you did on the cross for me. And I run into your arms today. Thank you that you receive me, that you accept me, and I'm your child. Amen. Just give the Lord a hand for what he's doing in this place this morning. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. And if you raised your hand, um, come and say hi to me and, and, and Anna. We'd love to get to know more detail about you. We'd love to get you plugged in to the family. But right now, let's just pray this. If you are running a breakthrough in your employment situation, in your job or finance situation, just lift your hands up. Just lift it up. Okay. All right, friends, if there's someone with a hand raised next to you, just reach your hand out to them, put it on their shoulder, and let's pray right now. I want you to start praying breakthrough in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that you are the God who brings us into productivity. You are the God who's got a plan for us, Lord. You are the God who's got good things for us, Jesus. 
And I, I just pray right now for strength. That you would put strength in their path, Lord Jesus. Where they might feel that they're getting weary of just doing the same thing over and over again. But we thank you that it's through daily discipline that you bring down breakthrough. So we just release right now the strength to keep walking. And we release right now the plan, the provision, and the purpose of Jesus. And we call forth testimonies. We call forth miracles. We call forth jobs where there haven't been jobs. We call forth a way where there hasn't been a way. We call forth, Lord Jesus, finance where there needs to be finance. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are the one who makes the way, that you are a miracle-working God, Lord. And so we just declare breakthrough. Just everyone, just say breakthrough in Jesus' name.